0: Good morning, everyone. The Mary Griffith Show rolls on, brought to you each and every weekday morning by Harvest Ridge Coffee from Refreshment Services Pepsi. Remember, Harvest Ridge Coffee is always hand-roasted, and whatever blend you choose, let me tell you, it's going to be great uh, to fill up your cup. I'm a Harvest Ridge fan myself here. We run on the radio ranch on Harvest Ridge Coffee, and we're glad to do it. So get yourself a delicious cup of Harvest Ridge. If you're out and about driving in your car, listening to The Mary Griffith Show, just drop by your local convenience store. They have it on tap as well. Today we're talking with the Historical Society of Quincy and Adams County spokesperson Lynn Snyder about all the great things that are going to be coming up. And, Lynn, we've got lots of time this morning, so you can go into as much depth as you want about some of these topics. And if there's anything, that's okay, (laughs) because you always have a little tidbit to add, and I like your tidbits. So what I guess we'll go in chronological order. I don't care how you do it. What is happening at the Historical Society of Quincy and Adams County?
1: Well, I'm going to concentrate. And good morning. Good, good morning. To you. Um, I'm going to concentrate on February because our February is extraordinarily busy. Right across the street from you, um, we we'll start. It's Black History Month, and we basically have uh, programs going the whole month. Um, I'll start with our uh, student tours. We do those every spring at the museum, and they are fifth graders from Quincy. Ah. We have five or six hundred of them through, but not all at the same time and not all on the same day. We do. Um, we'll be talking, of course, about the Underground Railroad exhibit and about um, Black communities in and around Quincy, um, and about um, the early Quincy, very early Quincy, the formation of Quincy, and. Um, we have one section that we start uh, by saying, what is an object? And it's just to, to give them a little orientation about what a museum is all about and what kind of things they might expect to see. And that will be going on all month, um, not every day, but they'll be there in and out, in and out for the month.
0: Okay, let's go over this again. It'll be every fifth grader or as many as you can accommodate if the school signed up? It's well, it's, it, it's, it's a combination of all
1: those things. We will, we will accommodate them all, but the, not all of the schools will be able to find the time to bus their fifth graders right. over here. and.
0: So not every fifth grader will participate because some schools are not participating, but those that are participating, mm-hmm. the fifth graders, will get this immersive experience. Right. Um, you've been doing this for a while. We have. And it hasn't always been with fifth graders, but what's the reaction of the kids?
1: Really variable, but I don't think there's anything more, more satisfying on those days than that, that person who is staring right at you. Uh-huh. And you hear, um, if, I, if I tell a story, and I can do that in the Underground Railroad um, exhibit, if I tell a story that has a heartwarming or heart-palpitating um, uh, uh-huh. moment, it's great to just hear them quiet down and, and their attention is drawn. Uh-huh. And then the, the end of the story comes and I hear, ah, oh, or oh. aw. <laughs> I love it. But,
0: and, and so this is going on, and this is just an ongoing work for the Historical Society for Quincy and Adams County. You have tried different things with third graders, fourth graders, fifth graders. I think really there's been a lot more synergy with the school districts about what is appropriate and what age. Working with right. the school district to make sure that the kids are age appropriate to yes, what you're, what absolutely. you're doing. absolutely.
1: The younger uh, kids come in the let's see this is the spring so they come in the fall and do the we do the log cabin and then we do have a program and i'm speaking for the education committee but the education committee is the is the, are the people who make this work and it's an extraordinary volunteers, amount of yes. volunteers and it's volunteers. Um, a, just such a a huge program so the third graders come in the fall and tour the log cabin and hear about really early um, pioneer days. In, they get you right the
0: quill pen. Yes. <laughs> that was always my job. And let me tell you, yes. ink goes everywhere. So. Yes, I know, I know. Uh, but yeah, they learn about what it was like to live in a log cabin right. and uh, they learn about outside the medicinal garden because yes. you didn't couldn't go to the couldn't go to the C V S and get right. your get your medication. Mm-hmm. You had to put salve on and you had to make your own salve and then of course uh, the early American Indians that were here, the right. Native Americans mm-hmm. that were here before the settlers—it's it, mm-hmm. a very comprehensive. Those kids are excited about that log cabin, and when you show them that bed, uh, yeah, and how it's <laughs> strung with uh, rope. Well, the bed, yeah,
1: yeah. We we usually show that up at the uh, mansion, but you know, sleep
0: tight and don't let well, the bed, bed bugs, bugs bite. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> they had them in the mansion too, right. but I mm-hmm. know it at the at the cabin upstairs. Mm-hmm. They have a rope bed, and the kids are fascinated right. by that. You know. So that, that just that just fascinates them. So there's something for every age group, and there's something always going on, basically, at the historical right. society. Right. Oh, definitely.
1: So In February. In February. So it's the fifth graders, and then we are having, and I'm very excited about this, too, Faye Dent, who has the uh, Jim's Journey Ameri- uh, Freedom Museum in Hannibal, will be coming to... Um, the museum here, right across the street from us, to uh, present an exhibit of her artwork. I first met Faye down at her museum in Hannibal, and I was struck by just her dynamism and and her enthusiasm for her um, many projects, but it was several years before I saw any of her artwork. And her collages, which is what she'll be bringing Mm -hmm. for us to exhibit, are just Mesmerizing. There's something about the way she she places figures in space on that that canvas that just draws you. And often you're looking right into their eyes. And um, I'm really excited to have her works here first. She'll bring them up uh, sometime just about the first of month. And months. these
0: will be in the fourth in Maine, or will they be at the fourth in Maine? Fourth in mm-hmm. Maine mm-hmm. at the history museum. Right.
1: Okay. And um, then on the tw- the last Sunday, which I believe is the yes, 25th, um, she'll be here to talk about her artwork. One of your regular
0: Sunday yes. afternoon programs. Mm-hmm, at 2 okay. o'clock.
1: And I, what I hope is that people will come in through the month to get a chance to really look at these pieces individually and have... Um, They'll have their own reactions. I don't think you can look at them and not have a reaction. And,
0: and each we, reaction will be individual yes, based on your own perception. Yes. That's what art is.
1: And um, we'd like to have people leave questions for Faye if they'd like to, leave comments about either the exhibit as a whole or particular pieces, and then come back on the 25th or 26th. <laughs> it's, it's a Sunday. It's the 25th. It's the last Sunday in February. Right. And um, talk to her about it.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about this. Um, it's going to be at the History Museum at 4th and Main. You had right. been having your shows at the Senior Center because they right. were so well received, but you don't, can't keep that up there all month. Right. So the problem is it's not handicap accessible. We have to let people know, or is it going to be down? Well, well it's, downstairs. Of, it's downstairs. It's downstairs. It's so yeah. Is there a flat way to get in downstairs? There is not,
1: but there is a lift at the back of the museum, which um, will take you right up to the first floor.
0: Okay, so there is a lift. Yes. Okay, and it is February 25th. Write that down. That's the last (laughs) Sunday, and it's at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But before that, feel free to come in, Uh, people of all ages. It would be interesting to see what children think about that.
1: February is a great month because we'll have 500 and some of them through the museum. So, so. is
0: that one of the things they're going to maybe just peruse a little bit? Is that exhibit? Yes, it it, it will be on
1: the main floor, and they are they'll They'll be on the main floor also for part of the tour. And so, I think I kind of like the idea of just turning them loose for five minutes and let them walk through, and then ask them what they've seen when the five minutes is up, because I'm sure there'll be a wide range of reaction. You know, to if the these
0: things. teachers were smart, and I know sometimes you send a curriculum guide, they would adjunct this with their art class and say, write your critique or write your perception yes, what of the style idea. from Faye mm-hmm. Dant. Uh Fay Dant of course uh, runs a history museum in Hannibal. Um, she takes a strong look at African American history in our area and this is going to be a temporary exhibit uh, it'll be up the month of February. Will it close after her talk, or will it stay around? How long would that exhibit be up?
1: Well, you know, that's kind of... We're still discussing that. Okay, so um, we have lots of things going on in our space, so I'm not sure how long we'll be able to keep it. And she's also um, getting much more rec- recognition for these pieces, so they may well be already um, on someone else's yes, schedule.
0: dedicated to some other uh, some other scheduling. So mark your calendar starting... What day will they be there, February 12th, did you say, or when will they first be
1: there? Early in February. Early in February.
0: (laughs) First is a Thursday. We don't know if they'll be there on Thursday. Maybe they'll be there by the first Monday. We don't know, but they'll be there. And they'll be at the History Museum on the Square at 4th and Main. And stroll by, see everything that's going on. And if you want to call in advance and find out if there is a fifth grade class, because I know myself personally... I would not want to be there necessarily with the fifth grade class. They're there. only there for an hour, so right, <laughs> so you can schedule your time in right. and around, uh, in and around that. And of course, when you go into the museum, you can see everything in the right. museum exactly. and, and visit the shop as well. So um, this is a temporary exhibit. You have mm-hmm. temporary exhibits and you have permanent exhibits. So Faye Dant, Black History Month. Make your mark your little mind check right now. I'm going to get down there. I'm going to see that. When is the History Museum on the Square open? What are the hours?
1: 10 to 4, Tuesday through Saturday.
0: 10 to 4, Tuesday through Saturday. Usually closed on Sunday, but on a day when they have a speaker, of course, it is open and closed on Monday. So right. always, a, always a great thing. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, our conversation with Lynn Snyder continues. We're talking about all the great events that are happening at the Historical Society serving Quincy in Adams County and... Uh, I'm sure Lynn probably has something to say about our 200th bicentennial coming up, too. (laughs) I'm sure she's actively involved in that. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. We're back. And you just heard from the American Business Women's Association. Their next meeting is uh, next Thursday, February 1st, at Boodaloo. If you'd like to go, just go to their Facebook page, ABWA Quincy. Learn all about the organization. Learn all about that dinner. If you're a guest, the first dinner is free. So, come and be a prospective member, and bring a lot of money with you because you'll want to join that night. I know the one night I gave a speech there, and the next thing I knew, I was a member. So you know, it just happens that <laughs> way. It's a great group of gals. I'm proud to be associated with them. And their Mardi Gras dance is coming up on the 24th, uh, which is a Saturday night in February. So, Lynn Snyder is my guest today. We've been talking about the great things happening at the Historical Society of Quincy and Adams County in the month of February. Fifth graders, as many as they can cram in, are going to be coming, uh, you know, by school in some kind of organized way. They'll all get a chance to come and see the History Museum and learn about artifacts and learn how historians do their work. And they're going to see... Uh, the uh, artwork of Faye Dant. And then, of course, uh, Faye Dant on the last Sunday of the month is going to be giving one of her talks about her artwork. But so much more is going on, Lynn Snyder. That's not all. That would be enough. But wait, <laughs> there's more. Oh, there is more. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just get one,
1: tonight. We're giving you two. And with 800 children thrown in. <laughs> <laughs> with
0: 800 kids, right.
1: Um, on the, s- the 11th the 11th of February, we're having a program. Um, Professor Hodel and uh, Terrell Dempsey will be there to talk about the book they're writing. And the book they're writing has a long title that I won't, um, a working title, but it starts as Breaking America. And their uh, premise is the effect that the abolitionists of the Midwest and the especially Western Illinois area had on the um, political and social um, milieu beliefs um, in pre-Civil War history, and it's a very um, it's a unique uh, perspective because we have we have a many of us have a sort of um, um, pro forma view of abolitionists we're from a free state and we're right across the river from a slave holding state during the civil war and I think we have it's it's not a, a saint and sinner it's it's they're very complicated people as people on the edge of social and political uh, beliefs or systems often are so abolitionists are both admired and they're also um,
0: um, well, they're reviled in some places because you're, good trying, word, to, good you're word. Trying, trying to and find restrain the right word. Commerce. Yes. There were people, and I'm sure this is true, there were people who were abolitionists who may have at some time in their life owned slaves because it was the way that business was done. There were probably people in slave-owning states who thought it was great to have slavery, but they couldn't afford a slave or they didn't have a slave. So, you know, there, it really was a business decision, you know. I remember, and here's a good way to put it. When the, uh, the Troubles in Ireland, when the Catholics and the Protestants were fighting, and you could see that on TV at night, them throwing, you know, bottle rockets and uh, those bombs, those Molotov cocktails. Molotov cocktails. <laughs> and the little girl that lived next door was a Baptist. And I said to my mother, is she going to try to kill me because she's a <laughs> Protestant and I'm a Catholic? And mother's like, no, it's not like that. It's, it's a it's an economic war, you know. And I think sometimes we label these people with one label, because that's the easiest way for mm-hmm. historians to look at it. But there's such a complex mix. So, And Terrell Dempsey has done a lot of research. And, of course, he's a learned man. He's a lawyer. And when you get a hobby that becomes almost your avocation, becomes your vocation, this should be a good book. So Patrick Hodel and Terrell Dempsey will have a lot to say. They will. And that will be on the 11th, you say? Yes. Okay. And what time and where? It's, it's at the – well, I'm – You've caught me because I'm not sure. It may be at the senior center. It may be at the senior center because they've had to move some of their things there because the crowds have been overwhelming (laughs) for some of this stuff. Yeah. So let's hope, let's keep that up. But I mean, where can you go and get a college level? and I won't say lecture because that's boring, a college-level entertainment talk where you can sit there. You don't have to test. You can just absorb as much as you want and you can ask the professor a question or challenge them and you're not going to get an F. Right. (laughs) I think you're wrong there, You're not going to have to see the principal. (laughs) You don't have to go down to the principal's office, absolutely. So you can check the Historical Society uh, website for information on that and for others. Let's do one more thing kind of quickly and then we'll take a break and then we'll come back and talk about prohibition. So what else is going on. Prohibition. Okay, <laughs> prohibition. You want to take a break right now? Okay. <laughs> well, folks, if you want to hear all about the wild and woolly, and that's when we first started having trouble not being able to contain everybody at 4th and Maine was when Iris Nelson did a thing about prostitution and prohibition. Apparently a hot topic in Quincy. <laughs> the fire chief had to be called. There were too many people. They had to turn people away. We're going to head up to the Ursa Farmers Cooperative and see how things are looking on the farm markets today. You stay right there at 940 and we'll be right Back with Lynn Snyder from the Historical Society of Quincy in Adams County. We're back. Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Lynn Snyder, my guest. You would not believe all the things we talk about during the commercial break, but don't worry. Lynn's going to rope me into doing some volunteer work for the... Historical Society. That was our last commercial break, so don't ask me any more questions. Give me time to think about to say no. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Now, you have talked, I think, about some of the beer-making adventures in Quincy, and when Prohibition came in, I have a great story you told, and sometimes I, on a slow news day, I'll replay it about how they had to dump out all these bottles of beer and everything like that. 45,000. 45,000 bottles of beer. What a crying shame, but talk about prohibition because there are permanent exhibits and traveling exhibits at the historical society museum which is at fourth and main the traveling exhibit for february is the fay dant artwork uh talk a little bit about the prohibition exhibit
1: well what i'll do first is i'll read you the title that i have i think someone is smarter than me is going to edit this a bit but this is my title and i've worked on it for some time The Twenties and Prohibition Era in Quincy and Adams County, 1920-1933. to Subtitle, Brewers and Bottlers, Bobbed Hair and Bohemians, Bootleggers and Blind Pigs, and the Long Arm of the Law.
0: I like it. (laughs) I want to read it. It'll be a next issue of Governor's Post. (laughs) It will. Absolutely. So Prohibition really changed Quincy. It always was a wild and woolly river town, and during steamboat days and early railroad days, there were some ruffians that could hang about on the banks of the Mississippi. But when Prohibition came in, uh, organized crime and not so organized crime really got a foothold here.
1: It did. It's a fascinating um, conjunction of um, trends that were already existing in in um, the United States. Of course, there was a whole temperance movement that. That um,
0: preceded it, and Carry Nation with her hatchet going around and stomping yes, out whiskey cans yes, everywhere, and
1: and uh, the whole evangelistic, um, the um, well, I'll get into that in a moment. But um, we also have um, one of the one coalescing trends and advances in society, and one of the really interesting. Conjunctions that I'm looking at for this area is um, the 20s were the time when family automobiles or personal automobiles became possible. Um, a car was not within the grasp of the you know the dirt farmer outside of town unless he had a really good farm, which many of them did. But a personal automobile for those folks who were living in town became Um, Not common, but certainly possible. uh, possible. And at the same time, there are the um, um, crusades, really, to improve the roads. And there's one called in Illinois called the Good Roads Act that um, I think, I, I believe, they appropriated or wanted to appropriate $60 million for road building in Illinois. And this is in the 1920s. But... My grandfather, who grew up um, in the 20s, called Highway 57 the hard road because that was the hard roads program. And I could talk about Tyson, the guy who... who, proposed it. Anyway, you've got the automobiles, personal automobiles. You're not taking a taxi. You're not in a horse and buggy. You have your automobile. It gives you a sense of freedom. You have roads that are hard. Now, some of them might be macadam, but it's the beginning of the, I think, I can't remember now, the the exact year when the first concrete road is put in. And you have a... a, um, a growth or an expansion of uh, the sense, particularly among the youth, of personal freedom. Um, the family unit is still really important, but the young people, um, by the time they get into their teen years, certainly, and into their 20s, haven't, uh, are developing a, a sense of personal freedom. So you put all those together, and you've got a, mobile, a more mobile population, and I'm very interested in, and I'm kind of jumping into the middle of this, but um, there's, there are speakeasies, but... More likely in Quincy, they were called blind pigs. There's a whole story about why they're blind pigs. Um, Or they were actually called, many of them were called soft drink parlors. Before Prohibition, they were saloons. And we know that Quincy is famous for its (laughs) saloons. It still is. We still have many of those classic saloons in town. Um, Uncle Bob's and Mr. Bill's come to mind immediately. Um, Before Prohibition... The family often went to the the tavern or the saloon for dinner, for lunch, for supper. Um, dad might stop by on the way home to have a beer. Prohibition comes, and actually it's very interesting. There was a pre-Prohibition prohibition, and it was because of World War One, And um, brewers were... Um, Banned from making, from brewing alcohol if it was grain based because they wanted to save it for the um, uh, food rationing for, for World War I. It only lasted about a year. A lot of the uh, the brewers and the um, saloon slash soft drink parlors uh, were caught because they had like six months between the time, because the 18th Amendment was already getting ratified. So they had like six months between the end of this wi- uh, war prohibition and the beginning of real prohibition in, at the beginning of uh, 1920, and they were going to sell them 6 months licenses. And most of them said, hmm, I think I'll take a, I don't know whether this is going to happen, because they had to wait for what they call demobilization before they could open up again. So uh, there were very few of these these entities that were willing to take that chance. Anyway, so we get to uh, the 1920s, and Prohibition is in effect. And all of those, in 1919, there were 213 saloons. In 1920, with the beginning of real Prohibition, there are like, 87, quote, soft drink parlors, and these are, the, these are the individuals who own these establishments trying to make the transition, which as far as they knew was going to be permanent, right. that they would not be able to sell alcohol. They didn't last very long, but in their place comes the, quote, speakeys, which in Quincy, and this is taken from the newspaper primarily, of course, were known as blind pigs or blind tigers. So our opening, why, why uh, that moniker? Isn't that interesting? Um, there's a lot of ta- there's a lot of um, um, speculation about that. One, the one that I think probably has the most um, um, evidence to back it is, during Prohibition, there was this um, system for individuals. Not if you were a, a distiller and you were selling to. Uh, a market but if you were the the guy walking down the street or the family man who was out to get a little illicit a liquor you could go into a building that had a room that was essentially empty but on one at, on the wall there was a box that had a lid and you could open that lid and put your money in then you waited a, an interval of up to you know a few minutes or I don't know if the guy was out to lunch himself. It might be longer. Then you went to another box at, the, at a different spot on the wall, and you opened it up, and inside you would find what you had paid for. So it was blind. It mm. kept the uh, the purchaser anonymous, and it particularly kept the provider anonymous. So that's one of the definitions. Um, it also seems often there was a, a, a series of codes or knocks or you had to show your face, and they had to know you. It was kind of, uh, there was a peephole in the door. It was, a, obviously, it was not legal, so it had to be sort of blindered, I suppose you right. could say. And why a tiger and a pig, I'm not sure, but that's really how they were known.
0: Once somebody named it that, that stuck, and then it just kept going on and on and on. Well, this, how long will this exhibit be up at the at the...
1: It'll certainly be up through the spring. Our opening party is on the 16th and um, our opening party that's february let's see. 16th yeah february 16th i'm telling you friday night i'm telling you february is full um, our opening party is called rendezvous at the Bl- blind tiger <laughs>
0: okay rendezvous <laughs> at the blind tiger because i think there may be an establishment in quincy was the blind pig called the blind pig the blind pig. Yes. yes. So think we decided he, to go blind tiger. You better tiger. go with blind tiger. <laughs> I agree. Uh, we've only got a few minutes left. Uh, what other things? We've covered a lot of it, but are there other things happening at the historical Well, Society? what I was
1: going to say about the roadhouses, of course, there's all of the places in Quincy that are constantly being uh, raided. And all, there are many men who become known for moving their place from um, spot to spot to stay ahead of the the. Kind of like the traveling Sheriff crap the, game in yes. guys and dolls. Yeah. Yes, and uh, one one I particularly like his name for some reason is, Merle C. Turkey Job, is his name. I don't have any. I don't think they ever say how he became Turkey, um, but with the roadhouses, what I was going to say about them is once about ni- in 1924, there's a series of articles that that. Um, appear in the paper by an anonymous person named curious called curious and he goes out and looks at some of the the um, establishments in town and the and finally the law comes down on them however that's mainly in town so what do these guys who are really used to moving around anyway what do they do they go outside the city limits because you've got a car now and they you make it out there. well and they set themselves up out there as roadhouses and those places now you 've got cars and hard roads, and they 're on the hard roads twelfth street twenty fourth street thirty sixth street highway fifty seven down on on the south side north twelfth on the north side they 're all they 're encircling quincy you 've got people who are out for a good time you 've got cars that very few road rules at that point, and you 've got dusk and and uh, rain and and you've got young people who and and some of the older people too for sure who really want to ex- exercise their freedoms so it's a perfect it's a perfect um it's perfect next at a
0: perfect time and quizzy was such a germanic culture you yes. know not that they were just all a bunch of drunks and everything but a huge <laughs> catholic culture and a germanic culture Not necessarily. Both circles don't always intersect, but people here were used to having a a beer. They they, beer was just a family beverage. Yes. And you know, even children after a certain age would be drinking, you Mm -hmm. know, beer and wine, and uh, it was just very common. And to take that and shut that down completely, and I think we can see parallels now. uh, All the time, we tried to prohibit cannabis. And Mm -hmm. now you can purchase it, you know, Mm -hmm. right on Broadway in Quincy. Mm -hmm. You don't have to hide it anymore. Mm -hmm. And it always seems like any time they try to prohibit something, it, it just never works. Not that I'm saying we should just legalize, you know, everything under the sun. But it is, there's that human That human thing, that element that says, you're not going to tell me I can't do this, or I want to try it even more now that I know I can't.
1: Um, I also wanted to say that very much um, our exhibit will also look at what happened to the brewers and the bottlers. Now, the brewers, we know, had the Ruff family, and I think we've talked about that before. The Ruff family of brewers, several generations by that time, decided to do things like, by an ice cream parlor, by an ice cream factory. They made ice cream, and they also started making pickles. So here's here's a, a, a really strongly um, established German family brewery, and they're making ice cream and pickles to go through, and it was their 40,000 bottles that got emptied. Um, but there's also...
0: One there's, minute
1: left. There's also families like the Flynn family, and the Flynns are actually helping us with our exhibit, um, who came up with, I mean, they had been making um, carbonated drinks, and there's Flynn's white soda, and there is no better mixer for your, quotes, bathtub gin, which wasn't made in a bathtub, than Flynn's white soda. So you've got the bottlers and the brewers, and then you've got the long arm of the law that is out there raiding day after night after night it's a, it's an it's an exciting time
0: it's an exciting time and you're <laughs> going to learn all about it when you go to the history museum at 4th and Main thank you to Lynn Snyder from the Historical Society of Quincy and Adams County folks get become a member and go to the website and learn about all these great activities